Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 03 or sign us snoring ENT.com. Guests on the horn appear courtesy of the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Vaqueros now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. I like this right here, 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. My man Patrick Davis plays a lot of local artists and lets you know where you can go and check them out. This is somebody that I kind of like this vibe. Who is this, Patrick? This is Uncommon People, and uh, they're playing Saturday at Swan Dive, part of Free Week. Uncommon People. Uncommon People is the name of the band. And at, where did you say? Swan Dive on Swan Saturday. Dive. This okay. is It's Free Week downtown, so a lot of the Cubs, the Red River District does Free Week. So it's a bunch of big shows, a bunch of really good bands, all for free downtown uh, this weekend. And then the other part of it is, this is what, don't they call this like First Friday uh, down on South Congress? Because I was driving yeah. down South Congress today, so there's a bunch of little shops that are popping up. Dude, and everybody's getting ready for the new year, man. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, my man Chip Brown is sitting in for Rod Babers, who is in San Antonio working at the All-American game that you could check out tomorrow on NBC. You might even see my man Rod Babers on the uh, sideline helping these kids, giving them the conversation. There's a lot going on, but sitting in for him right now is my man Chip Brown. See Breezy, Hello. my man that uh, actually got me into the industry, and uh, I can't uh, thank him enough. Joining him at the bo- joining us at the bottom of the hour, uh, you know, this whole week we've been talking about Coach Gustafson. We had Brooks Kieschnick on. We had Kirk Dressendorfer on, and today we are going to be joined by Coach John Langerhands, who's got a unique story about his time with Coach Gus because he actually played for Coach G- Gus in high school. And that is very rare that you can get Coach Gus and Coach Langerhands. And by the way, I've been angry at Coach Langerhands since 1988 when he was coaching against me because he always, always found a way to get me out. I just he knew. But he told me last night, you know how I got you out? I learned from the best, and that's Coach Gus. So that's what it's all about. We're How'd gonna he get talk you out? That slider? Oh, it was a little bit of everything. He had his pitching staff on point when uh, old hardball came up. It was a lot of right turns. You were turns sitting on fastball and never saw fastball. And I was walking a lot to the dugout. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was making that right turn to go to the dugout and get my glove and go fill my position because it was rough. It was rough. Um, let me ask you this, Chip. You know, we've been talking a lot about the uh, – 
the Texas Longhorns, and we'll get back into that conversation a little bit later. But I want to talk about this weekend. There's a lot of football to be played in the NFL. It starts tomorrow afternoon as the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders kick it off on ABC. 3.30 kickoff, then tomorrow night, the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars will finish off the evening. But starting on Sunday, it's a big game for the Cowboys and the Commanders, and I know a lot of people are like, wait, what do you mean a big game for the Cowboys and the Commanders? It has a big game. It's a big, meaningful game for the Cowboys because they need to win and they need a Philadelphia Eagles loss. And, of course, they need to try to figure out if they're going to win that division. But I wanted to ask you this. Over the season, this past, this season right now, the Dallas Cowboys, if you would have told me that the Cowboys would be in the position that they are right now with Dak being out at the very, very um, beginning of the season when he got hurt, that the Cowboys would be in this position, would you have believed it? Oh, man. You'd be jumping for joy. <laughs> right. I mean, you got uh, you got Dan Quinn's defense, mm-hmm. and that defense is fun to watch, man. Micah Parsons. Yep. I can't remember. You know, it's like watching Junior Seau. Just, wow, I think that's the first time I've heard that comparison. Because he just goes where he needs to go, right? You know, he he, it's, you don't know where he's going to line up, and the guy is so relentless. He's so strong and so fast that it's ridiculous how many times he gets near the quarterback, impacts the quarterback. Um, they're a fun team to watch. Yeah, and when Zeke and Pollard are both going. Man, that's yeah. a good little thunder and lightning combo. And Dak, you know, I mean, Dak, Dak can play. You know, I had my issues with paying him all the money. But listen. Well, hey, you and I were having this conversation back in the oh, day. Yeah. And I kept saying, Chip, the market is going to dictate what he gets. Oh, yeah. I understand nobody wants to pay a person that money. Right. But he's going to get And I it. still had whiplash from Tony Romo. Yes, Getting a $52 million <laughs> guaranteed deal yep. when he had, when he was 30 plus with back issues. So I don't trust Jarrah, who falls in love with half of his players and overpays them. But listen, if Dak can get this Cowboys team to a, let's, let's be honest. That time is ticking on Jarrah. Yeah, it is. He needs to get to the Super Bowl. It's not enough to get to the NFC Championship. Yeah. Got to find a way, man. Giants won the Super Bowl, beat the 18 and 0 Patriots when they were 9 and 7 in the regular season. Right. It's about getting hot at the right time, Harch. Do you feel like the Cowboys are that type of team that that seem to be headed in the right direction? They're going on the road. And I was talking about this yesterday. We were having this conversation and Patrick, I want to get your input on this. We kept talking about the trending area. Right now, Dak is throwing too many interceptions during the games, right? Whether it's a tip ball, whether it's him forcing the ball into uh, double coverage and trying to do a little bit too much. But the fact still remains he's one of the, you know, he normally takes care of the ball. He puts the numbers up. But they have to win this game, and they have to win this game convincingly, wouldn't you say? Yeah. No, this is this is the point of the season where you need to go into the playoffs making people scared of you, making game people game plan around you and what you can do as opposed to letting people do what they want to do around you. And if you're not coming in strong, they're going to go, okay, we just got to kind of protect on the outside for Micah Parsons, but he's 
running 60 70% right now, which is still good, right. but we, we can block him. He is blockable right now. Right, 100% right. Michael Parsons is pretty much unblockable. Yeah. Uh, but if we can get we can block him on the left side, then I think we can handle ourselves. We can get a little bit of time in that pocket and just throw it to whatever side of the field Trayvon Diggs isn't on, and we'll score enough points, and then we know Dak will turn the ball over if we give him the right pressure. We show him a couple different looks. We, we'll be able to get a couple turns. We'll win the game. You just got to – you just got to hope Sam Howell doesn't turn into freaking uh, Gardner Minshew. No, the Purdy, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think San Francisco has more pieces around yeah. and a better For coach. Sure. Right. I think. For sure. But, uh, yeah, this is – so if you say, all right, we can go in there. If we dominate the commanders, now all of a sudden we're looking – whoever's playing us is starting to have to game plan, and we're getting their head a little bit more. And if that's Tom Brady, you'd really like to get in the rest of the Bucks' heads. You're not getting into his, right. but you can get in the rest of their heads. Right. And that's what that's what I'm looking at too this weekend. I want to see a clean football game by the Dallas Cowboys. I think that is something that we haven't seen from them in in a in a long period of time. But the other question that I wanted to ask you is what is going on with the Washington Commanders? You heard last week that uh, Ron Rivera didn't even know that they were eliminated when he decided to go to Carson Wentz, and they were playing good football with Taylor Heineke, and he decides that he wants to play. Carson Wentz, and then after they lose the game, he's like, well, we're going to go back to Taylor Heineke, and Heineke's like, no, let Sam Howell play. Yeah, I, I don't need – we've done it. We've been eliminated. Why not see what this kid has? He's earned it. He's worked his way into this. Why not do that? But do you question what Ron Rivera did last week by starting Carson Wentz? Well, you wanted to see if there was any juice. <laughs> I mean a drop left. Uh, in Carson Wentz, and I, you know, I think the three of us in this room knew there was no drops left. No, no juice, None. just no pulp. Juice. No juice, just, just pulp. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Ron Rivera, man, that uh, Carson Wentz curse, right? Nick Foles, baby. You, I knew that Carson Wentz was doomed. The minute <laughs> Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, Carson Wentz was doomed. <laughs> Sorry, Carson. I knew you. I knew you were gonna bring up Nick Foles, baby. Oh, Nick Foles, and Nick that's Foles, when the curse baby. happened. When you got a, a a statue outside of the stadium, and it's not of your of you, and you were about to be the MVP, and things kind of changed real quickly. You knew it was gonna be different. Did you see Michigan try to run that Philly special against TCU. Jeez. What was that about? Wah, wah. That was awful. Awful. And I, by the way, Chip is a Michigan man. Um, he used to go to games at the big house, My and I didn't want to bring it up. Ticket holders. I Doc didn't want to Brown bring it was up. rolling over in his <laughs> heavenly maize and blue lounger. <laughs> I knew I was. I didn't want to give you a hard time about it because oh. I was thinking about it. But uh, TCU was making that move. But I want to ask you about your Detroit Lions. At the very beginning of the season, we told you that the Lions have a chance to make it into the playoffs if they go out here and win this game. Obviously, they're going to need some help. But the last game of the season, Sunday Night Football, they are going up against the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. Jared Goff playing unbelievable football, done a great job. Our guy, Amara St. Brown, uh, making big plays. Got 100 receptions on the season this year, over 1,000 yards. And he's missed some time because he had to deal with injuries. But when you look at the, what Dan Campbell, the fighting Dan Campbells, what they've been able to do, what are your thoughts on your Lions having a chance to possibly even make the playoffs? Because I know you watched Hard Knocks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the very first show, Jamal Williams, we got to love it, man. we got to go out here and fight. we got to fight for it. Now they have a chance to fight it. And not only that, you got a chance to beat Green Bay and knock them 
out of playoff potential. I mean, how can you not cheer for the Motor City Kitties? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They've been down so long, you can't even see them anymore. And then all of a sudden, they get uh, they get a little, you know, and Jared Goff Man, deserves some credit. He does. He does a lot of credit. He got, you know, tossed yep. out of L.A. and, and you know, uh, they win the Super Bowl last year. Yep. And Jared Goff's like, oh, man. But he's getting it done. He is definitely getting it done. And the defense was the problem at the beginning of the year. And Aiden Hutchinson has been Truth. money. Truth. And they're playing for each other. Malcolm Rodriguez has Mal- done a great I love job for him. Malcolm Rodriguez. Yes, Oklahoma State. Rodrigo. Yeah. That's what they call him. Oh, yeah. And he's, man, he is, he gives it up. He does. He, and he, we he, saw him up close and personal a in lot. the Big 12 right. at Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, they're a team you, they're like the lovable losers. They're like the Cleveland Indians back in the day. <laughs> you know, when a team that's been on the deck so long, you you think they're a welcome mat. Yep. You're stepping all over them, shows up, and it's like, okay, all right, look at these little, you know, engines that could. Right. And so... Yeah, I'm all over this game. I'm all over this game. Yeah, did you see the Quandre Diggs that he's been calling up his ex Lions teammates and promising them he's going to take them on vacation if they can beat the Packers? The oh, Packers. Yeah, because the only way the Seahawks can make the playoffs if the Packers lose, the Packers lose, the Seahawks again. So apparently he's been calling them and asking them. I love it. <laughs> that is so Quandre. Yeah, let's get Quandre this the Giant. That's right. That's, That's right. Awesome. Yeah. So this has been a this has been a fun. Football season, and and then I wanted to ask you too. The Jacksonville Jaguars. The entire uh, off season was well. The last season was awful. They ended up firing Urban Meyer. He ended up being just a train wreck and degrading players. And it looked like Trevor Lawrence was not going to be, be a great quarterback. And Liar all Meyer. of a sudden, here he comes, uh, Doug Peterson, Super Bowl champion. Uh, Nick Foles. Nick Foles helped him get that Call Super Bowl the Philly special. And then you sit here and you're looking Ford at Doug Peterson. how he's played, and now they have a chance. They're in the playoffs as of right now. Big game against the Tennessee Titans. What are your thoughts on what you've seen from the Jacksonville Jaguars? Man, Trevor Lawrence, you know? The guy got beat up kind of like Peyton Manning yep. is, a, is a rookie. But the special ones... See, Troy Aikman got beat up as a he rookie. Did. The special ones see the light and exude the light. And Trevor Lawrence is. So you're saying David Carr wasn't special? Because oh. he got beat up a lot. Sorry, Patrick. Sorry, Patrick. <laughs> so he wasn't just special. Just hating. Just hating. <laughs> so you know, my kinfolk has been doing really, really good for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jamichael. Jamichael. Yeah. Scoring a couple touchdowns. He got one last week when he was in Come Houston. Um, Travis Etienne is shown to be uh, very special on that team as well. But Trevor Lawrence is the story, but the story is even more so with Doug Peterson and what he's been able to do. He's been treating those guys like men and having them go out on the field and playing well. Trevor Lawrence is going to be questionable this week, but you start looking at the entire team. They're averaging 24 points a game, which is way better. They're only giving up 20.9. The offense is – at 377 yards per game. And this is a, a different type of team. What have they won four out of their last five? Four in a row. And four in a row. And they've caught teams at the right time yes. because 
and I think the Titans were without Ryan Tannehill, and the Malik Willis experiment yep. is not uh, faring very well not in at all. Tennessee. The yep. Cowboys got caught napping. That was a, an impressive win. That was by very the Jacks because so. they had to they had to answer and and dig and and then they caught the Jets without you know with their quarterback yep. situation. So listen, all you can do is win the games on your schedule. But it looks like Derek Derek Henry's going to play this week. It, 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 I saw that he came off the inactive list. I saw that he he he's not even. I'm looking at the injury report right now. He's not even on the injury report at this time. So that means that he's going to be back. They may have Traylon Burke, uh, Burks back. I don't think he's been that great. Um, but there's a lot to look at when you're watching this game uh, tomorrow night. Matter yeah. of fact, the last time. You and I were together on the road, the national championship game. We went and watched a Saturday night game. It was actually during the playoffs because this would normally be playoff wild card weekend. When we were in Atlanta, this would normally be the weekend, and we got a chance to watch the Tennessee Titans take on the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was the weekend that Marcus Mariota threw a pass, and he caught it and ran it into the end zone to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. But looking at this weekend, I'm just trying to figure out how good should we expect a lot from the Jacksonville Jaguars knowing that they're playing for a playoff position. Listen, man, at this point, you've won four in a row. Belief is on your side. I think you can reasonably expect for them to be in this game in the fourth quarter with a chance to get in the playoffs. I mean... It's been a wild, crazy year. Got the NFC South which with is, losing records. Which for, looks like the NFC East used to look. Yeah. 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 And, and so, why not, man? The Lions are playing for a playoff berth. I mean, dogs and cats <laughs> living in harmony. I don't know how much harmony it's going to be, but it's going to be something right there. And so, my question for you, now that we're looking at this playoff picture, as we, if the season – which, you know, I hate when people say that. If the season were to end today, this is what the playoffs would look like. The Kansas City Chiefs have the number one seed. The Philadelphia Eagles have the number one seed in the NFC. The Patriots right now are in playoff contention. They are in the right spot. And I'm still trying to figure out how in the world are the Patriots even in this position. It is crazy to believe that you have Matt Patricia – as your OC with Joe Judge trying to run this and you and everybody and this is the thing that has been bothering me all year everybody's been questioning Mac Jones and how not his dirty plays and some of the things that he's doing but him regressing as a quarterback he doesn't even have an offensive coordinator helping him uh. so what what in the world is going on there and then you look at the situation with Buffalo and and Cincinnati that are are trying to figure out what's going to happen, coin toss, uh, seedings. I don't know what's going to happen with that game because the NFL did come out and say that it is not going to be made up. But when you watch how this playoffs, if you had to pick a team to win the Super Bowl right at this very moment, who are you going with? I mean, the Buffalo Bills. Okay. I, I just The story of destiny right well, now? Even before that, yep. they just have – they got players. I mean, they're – I mean, they're depleted in their secondary. There's Absolutely. no question about that. Yeah. And that's that's a big concern. But, um, you know, Josh Allen, these guys have been right there. Battle-tested. And typically 
when you get to this point of the year. I always talk about how the NFL is a week-to-week league because mm-hmm. it's hard to motivate millionaires with a sense of urgency. But right. these guys have been close enough to where they thought they were going to be in a Super Bowl that I think they push over and and get in right. into that Super Bowl. Um, how the Eagles are fascinating the Cowboys. I mean, we've been laughing. Let's see how I dismissed the Vikings? You did. Kirk Cousins. Yep, that's why. That's why you dismiss. I dismiss them. everyone in the NFC South. I mean, to me, it's really, it's really about you the Eagles and the Cowboys. You do. You dismiss everybody in the South. If if Tom Brady gets in there, you don't feel like he and the way I, that I went him, to Tampa. I know you did on Texas's off week, and watched them play the Ravens, and it was a bleep show. Right. That's when. That's when Brady set the NFL all time sack record. You know, replacing Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> as the most sacked quarterback in NFL history. Well, he's ninety five, and I get it. They, you know, they've been so up and down. Right. It just, I don't trust them. Okay. And I just don't trust them. Well, him, Mike, Mike Evans, they got hot last they week. Got hot they last they week. finally got to the point where they were starting to connect on, like you were talking about earlier, on the deep balls. Uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of Chris Godwin. Oh, yeah. I think he's one of the better players that don't get enough that doesn't get enough credit. Um, it's amazing though, without Gronk in right. that tight end position, his safety net Brady is no longer has not there. been able to get on the same page with Cotton all year. Right? I don't know what that's about, but my God, Brady's been hounding Gronk. Yeah, you know, dude, dude, dude. I need, I need. Too late now, though. Too late. You got to ride with what you got now. But, but do you think that defense uh, was missing in Dominican Sue this past year? Because he was the one, even though people were like, man, he's not playing that well. But when he did play, he was a problem. Yeah. And he knew when the money was on the line, he made plays. Just like Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl. Right. When the money was on the line, Aaron Donald got to the quarterback and made a play. Right. That's what Ndamukong Sue was. No one likes Ndamukong Sue. Right. The Heisman voters didn't like him. Should have won it When he probably should have won it. Yeah. In 09. And... No one in the NFL likes Ndamukong Sue because that first impression of him stomping <laughs> when he played for the Lions, stomping on Aaron Rodgers' ankle and all that stuff. That's because he played for the Lions. I know. He's frustrated. <laughs> the Lions. Barry Sanders quit in his prime. Same with Charles Johnson. Not Charles Johnson, but Calvin Mega, Johnson. Yeah, Calvin Mega Johnson. Johnson. Mega quit Trump. in his prime. Yeah. Both of them had 2,000-yard seasons and then quit. Tell, tell, they couldn't take it anymore. What was what did you say the curse was? Bobby Lane. Oh, Bobby Lane. Yeah. It was a 50-year curse that's lasted 64 years. <laughs> well, you threw in a couple more for Barry and a couple more for Calvin. Yeah, you had to add it up. You had to add you had some to, more on there, right? Oh, oh God, yeah. Yeah, that's why. And what team has like two of their best all-time franchise players with the same number? Billy Sims and, and, and Barry, Barry Sanders. Sanders. Yeah. What, what, what franchise has two guys retire in their prime? Yeah. Like two all-time talents. <laughs> all-time Hall of Fame Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers. Couldn't take it. Gold jacket. Ford They're family. just like, you know what? We're done. We're, we're yeah. good here. We're good. We, we're good. we did it. We've seen yeah. the NFL. I'll work nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Mama Ford finally took over. Yep. And now things are moving. Well, they hired football people. Yeah. Shocking what happens when you hire people who are meant to do what they do. Yeah. Hey, Jarrah. Yeah. Hey, Jarrah. <laughs> hey, Jarrah. Hey, Jarrah. Oh, you Dan ask, Quinn. If you ask him, he's a football person. 
Dan Quinn is driving <laughs> that bus, by the way. Hey, uh, let me, oh, we know. Let me ask you, do you think the Dolphins have it with Skylar Thompson being named the starter again? That That is the best question. Because they're playing a Joe Flacco Jets. If yes. they win that and the Bills, which, I mean, you have to assume the Bills are going to beat the Patriots just on – Principle Just on principle that they're like we got to go out there and win and and you yep. know Demar win one for Demar and every yep. Yep. so you you figure they're in if they win and then you can hope that you get Teddy Bridgewater back and you can hope that you get Tua to cl- clear all protocol and be able to play in the playoffs. Does does Dolphins do they have a chance to do anything if if they are able to get this win and move in? Listen, when I heard Brock Purdy was taking over the 49ers, I was like, oh, they're doomed. This kid. Is just good enough to get you beat, kind of like Kirk Cousins. And Brock <laughs> Purdy is playing out of his mind. Yeah. So I'm not going to dismiss Skylar Thompson. He's got great him. players around him. And he's got a great so play So does Skylar Thompson. And Skylar didn't have a terrible game considering it's the Patriots. Like, I know right. he didn't have a good game, but it's right. the Patriots and Bill right. Belichick There's a Sudoku destroys puzzle of NFL defenses. He destroys rookies. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, the only rookie he didn't destroy was, oh, I can't remember. There was a rookie he played this year that it was because he couldn't read defenses. And that was, that was, was at, uh, Fields. Yeah. Yeah, Justin oh, Fields. He he could, yeah, he yeah. didn't he didn't destroy him because yeah. he can't read defenses anyway. So you threw a bunch of things at him. He's like, doesn't matter to me. I'm running it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Justin Fields is going to last maybe one more season in the NFL if he has to run the ball like he's been running it. <laughs> that's why they hope that when the draft happens, they get a lineman and a wide receiver because that's the other thing that he's missing too. That's why he's having to run because he's throwing to you and I. Yeah. He's throwing to you and I. Uh, one of the other games that I, I've been paying attention to is the Browns and the Steelers. And the re- people are like, wait, the Browns and the Steelers. B- the Steelers still have an outside chance of getting into the playoffs. There's a lot that needs to happen, but they're still right there. But the one thing that I, I wanted to ask you about, because you've been in uh, uh, Pittsburgh, you've got a cousin that lives up there. The Steelers and Mike Tomlin have not had a losing season since he's been there. If the season were to end today and we'd have had a 16-game season, Mike Tomlin would still be at 500. Does he stay over 500 and never have a losing season? Yep, he does. Nice. I'll give you another stat. The Steelers under Mike Tomlin have played one game eliminated from playoff contention. One. One game. In the history of in the him history being of Mike Tomlin being there, they have played one game. Beautiful. Not in playoff contention. Games at Heinz Field. Yep. It's a home game. Big Kenny game. Kenny Pickett's getting a little better. Yep. They've they've had to learn on the fly. And he's getting a little better. They're yep. gonna win. Yep. Stillers, baby. Okay. I like that. I love Stillers. it. I love it when you say the Stillers. And the other game that I was looking at. And I wanted to talk to you about just because of the fact that you and I have not had a chance to talk about this. You know my son's infatuation with Russell Wilson, the Denver Broncos. My preseason pick to go to the Super Bowl, uh, yeah, it's not a good look. Nathaniel Hackett. He got that hacked. Is, he got hacked out. That is a, yep. it's an expletive now <laughs> yeah, in it Denver. Is. It is. It's a two-word expletive because Russell Wilson can play. And Nathaniel Hackett was a living, breathing disaster. No doubt. And, wow. Yeah. You, you make Russell Wilson look that bad? Oh, or, good Lord. Or is it Russell calling the wrong audibles? People were saying that he was calling audibles like he was still in Seattle and nobody knew about him. That's a bad, bad look, too. Yeah. You that know, narrative shifted a lot when they fired Hackett, too. The narrative, they were like, hey, everybody. We paid Russell Wilson a lot of money. Y'all need to get on all your social media and say Hackett was the problem. Yep. And Russell Wilson is a yep. great guy. That's, I mean, that's a good point. 
listen, that was a horrible first impression. For sure. And Russ is going to have to dig his way out and, you know, regain the, the locker room if he didn't have it. But you get a real coach in there who knows what he's doing. Yeah. Russ will be fine. Who would you take right now? If you had your choice to fill that void, do you go after Peyton? Um, uh, Sean, Sean Payton, Payton, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or Sean Payton and Russell Wilson Sean, together? That would be guys, lethal. Again, Sean Payton is not going to Denver. There's well, zero Tell chance. him why. Tell well, him why. First of all, he's got Vic Fangio when he wants to be his defensive coordinator. Vic Fangio is not going back to Denver. <laughs> so that for one. But two, why would he want Like, I don't get why any major coach would want to go there. When you have no picks – you have a quarterback that you're handcuffed to that you think has talent, he does. but you have not. You have no proof of that anymore. I'm not going to give up on him. And you have a good defense, but and you have some good wide receivers, but I, I mean, I think there's better options out there. And you're also in a division that you are playing against the Chiefs, who, last I checked, still own that division. Like Rod said the other day, they, everybody in that division is paying rent to the Kansas City Chiefs. I just don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that attractive. Yeah. Well, Sean Payton's Sean supposed to be coming to Dallas. Come on, man. We got Mike McCarthy, bro. Back to back. And? Back back to back. We got to remember, he got a chance to play for the division. All he needs is one win in the playoffs, and he will be Listen, immortalized. Don't put it past Jared. Hey, oh, don't I put know. it past Jared. You know what I think Denver's going to call up? I think they're calling up Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's got a connection to Russell from Seattle. They go back, get that defense back in working yeah. order. There you go. That's a great pick. I, I think that that's the one where I think they're going to try and get him in because Who's I don't be think their offensive coordinator. Though? That is the question. That does, is the does, biggest does he bring question. Kellen with him or does he bring Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury? Does he bring Cliff? I, I'm just saying. I I think that's the one where I think because he's getting sense. fired. Cliff is going to be on the move and maybe an OC. We'll continue this conversation a little bit more, but right now we're going to go to break because I want to have Coach John Langerhans join us on the, in the Hard Knocks Life because I want him to talk to us about Coach Gus. We'll continue it right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. Mike. You have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folk, but in front of your own speak my mind. He has emotional anger issue problem. Hey, are you Dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to the 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. It's your boy, Hardball Hard. You can follow me on Twitter at Hardball Hard. You can follow my man, Rob Babers. You can basically cyberstalk him right now at Rob Babers. You can follow my man behind the glass at It's Patrick Davis. My man sitting in with me today is at Chip Brown 247. We also love it when you're a part of the show. You can hit us up on the Specs text line 512-337-3776. And joining us right now on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline is a, a friend of mine. He was also a thorn in my side. But it's not about me. It's more about him and his relationship with one coach, Cliff Gustafson, that goes back all the way to high school, is the legendary high school coach around here and, of course, lifetime Longhorn and Hall of Honor member of the Texas Longhorns, Coach John Langerhands. Coach, how you doing, buddy? 
Mike, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for taking the time to come on and share some thoughts about Coach uh, Cliff Gustafson because I know all week I've had uh, Brooks Kieschnick on, I've had Kirk Dressendorfer on, and I thought it was going to be perfect to have you on as well to talk about your time because you were actually around him a lot longer than most people around the 40 acres. Yeah, ever uh, I guess Naughty Salazar was is the only one that played for Coach longer than I did. That's amazing to me when I first heard that you played for him in high school. I know everybody knows about who he was at the University of Texas, but talk to us a little bit about who he was as a high school baseball coach. We know he won some state championships and built that program up down there in San Antonio. So what was it like playing for him at uh, at his high school and then coming to the university? Well, it was pretty much the same, but uh... – you know, his his record in high school was unprecedented. Uh, I think he coached 13 years in high school before he came to Texas, and he had seven state championships. Now, how many, how many coaches can say that? Seven out of the 13 years. And I think he went to the tournament 10 times. So it was just, you know, at, at South San, if you didn't go to the state tournament, you had a losing season. And, uh, you know, the, the whole community there at South San and everything believed in him so much and the players believed in him that, you know, you step on the field with Coach Gus and he just basically guides you to a win every time. Uh, the trust in him was just like, you know, if we do what Coach says, it's an automatic win because he, he'll call – you know, he'll pull the right strings, call, make the right plays, and we'll win. John, Chip Brown here. That's what I was going to ask you. What made Gus so special? The inside part of the game. He taught, and I patterned myself as a coach exactly like he did. I always uh, tried to cover every phase possible any every situation that that could come up in baseball, so my players would feel comfortable facing that situation and get ourselves out of it or produce whatever it is. And that's that was Gus's strength. I think two things. I think he the inside part of the game he was a master of. You know, we we covered everything. Uh, you know, from relays to to base running to pickoffs to rundowns to double steals to bunt coverages and and the offensive bunting game and and take philosophy you know working against other teams with the take system and all of that and when a group of kids buy into that and he controls the game uh you know, it's just you believe in that, and you know it's just hard to beat a team that uh, doesn't get rattled. You know, when when you try to pull something on, you know, on them, uh, you couldn't you couldn't call a play or you know execute anything that we hadn't seen. 
and we took care of it. And we had a philosophy that we believed in, his philosophy, and so uh, we just didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. We, you know, we faced teams that, you know, might have had better pitching and defense, might have had better hitting or equal to us, but we played better baseball than everybody else played. And that's the beautiful part about it. We're talking to legendary lifetime Longhorn John Langerhans. He's a member of the um, Hall of Honor at the University of Texas. He was inducted in 2011. He had earned All-American honors as a first baseman. He even led the Longhorns in hitting at 413. His squads went to the College World Series three times, and he won four Southwest Conference titles. Coach, I wanted to ask you about, um, you said it just a little while ago, your, your philosophy of coaching and the way that you started coaching your high school teams was the same way that Coach Gustafson uh, did with all of his teams. So when you got to when you got your first job as a head coach, did he give you any words of wisdom? I heard Coach Ty Harrington talk about it. I heard Keith Moreland talk about how Coach uh, Gus kind of led those guys and gave them words of wisdom. But you kind of touched on it about how how detail oriented. He was, and I got a chance to play against a lot of your teams, and I can attest to that. Y'all were very detail-oriented. You know, Mike, I had all his words of wisdom in seven years. uh, You know, I I could pattern myself exactly like Coach Gus if I wanted to because there wasn't anything that uh, he believed in or anything that I hadn't seen or heard. And so I just, I took all the things that I liked the best out of it, which was probably 95% of it. (laughs) And that was my coaching philosophy. All right. So how did you get Harge out every time you, (laughs) you faced him? I tell you, because you're tough. you're hitting bombs over the uh, wall at at Dishfog Field. My man Harge said he he'd turn around, strike three, go back to the dugout <laughs> when he faced you. Uh, hey, I tell you, I had Jason Hart and Jim Miller, and they had a whole lot to do with it. I didn't have a whole lot to do with it. I I just I sat there and kept my fingers crossed and let Jason and Jim take care of him if they could. <laughs> but I tell you, my hey. Believe me, Mike was a thorn in our side. It wasn't like he's talking about. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So, Coach, I wanted to ask you, too, you know, we talked about this at the very beginning. You were a guy that had been around Coach Gus pretty much your entire baseball career, even going back to after you became the head coach and, and started coaching at Round Rock. And and Jeff Ontiveros, one of your players, got a chance to go there, and you had a couple, of, quite a few players that went to the University of Texas. When you talk to your players about when they have the opportunity to go play for Coach Gus, what were some of the things that they understood when they walked in there? Because a lot of people don't truly understand what it's like to play with the play for a guy like or a man like Coach Gus and being able to understand what the rules and regulations are because there are no gray areas and I believe you didn't have very many gray areas as well. You know they they had a big advantage my players going in to play for him because I told them I said guys you are just you, you know 
the things you've learned under me are going to be the exact same things that Coach Gus is going to do, but to a higher level. And so, but I said, you've got an advantage. You guys believe in our take system and everything. Some of those guys are going to come in and say, why is he trying to take the bat out of my hand? Well, he's not doing it. He's going to sit down and tell you the advantages of taking a strike and what it does to the other team and what it does to you psychologically. And uh, he said, if you approach it the same way, I said, well, you guys have had three or four years under me where you understand how valuable the take is. And that's just one example. I said, so y'all are going to, y'all are going to be a step up on all the other recruits when you go in there, you know, and coach, told me a couple of times, he says, John, your guys are so easy to coach when they come in because they've already got a taste of me. That That is outstanding. Before we let you go, Coach, I wanted to ask you, give us one of your favorite Coach Gus's stories or situations that you saw. It, I, I want to laugh a little bit, though. I want you to give me something that will make us laugh that we don't know about Coach Gus. i tell you, okay, this, this is something that uh, – I thought the funniest thing that uh, I ever heard, and it wasn't when I was playing. It was one of my uh, – it was my first ball player that went to uh, went to Texas, uh, Mike Bradley. I don't know if you remember Mike. Yes, sir. Mike was back uh, uh, way before you, about three or four years, uh, 86, I believe it was. Uh, but he went to pitch – for Gus and he was out there on the mound and Mike had a tendency, uh, had good, good talent, but had a tendency to get a little wild every once in a while. And, uh, how it happened, you know, it puzzled me. Sometimes the ball just slipped out of his hand on his fastball and he'd throw it way high up against the backstop. So Mike's pitching in one of the Tuesday games, trying to break in the, you know, weekend rotation, and he's out there, and he's warming up uh, before the first inning, and he and the catcher has to jump on the first, I think, four pitches of the game, uh, and walks the guy, and here comes Gus strolling out there, and you know how it took Coach Gus about five minutes to get to the mound, <laughs> and uh, he gets out there to Mike, and he says, Mike. And this is the way Coach Gus, you know, it, there wasn't a whole lot of, when he talked to you, it wasn't about technique or fundamentals or what you're doing wrong. It was usually uh, getting your attention, uh, you know, psychologically or making you tougher or, you know, throw the damn ball in the strike zone or something like that. Well, anyway, he walks out there to Mike and he says, Mike, you're an old farm boy from Round Rock. And you're sitting out there on your back porch, and you see a see an old dove up there on the high line wire, and you go out there and you pick up some rocks and you chunk it at him. You've done that, haven't you, Mike? He says, "Yes, sir." And uh, he says, "Well, when you're chunking it at him and you throw the first three or four of them over the, over his head, over the top of him, what do you do?" And he says, 
well, coach, I just aim a little lower. And he says, well, aim a little lower, damn it. And he walked <laughs> off the field, and Mike said he started throwing, I mean, just pounding the strike zone. That so is that's outstanding. Way, that, that was Coach Gus's – that's the way he, he was. I mean, it wasn't anything scientific. It was common sense. And he got Mike in the strike zone by just, you know – telling him a story and everything, loosening him up a little bit, making him laugh a little bit. Aim a little lower, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the best. One of the favorite. I said, that is Gus, because we heard that our whole time when we played for him. And the other guys can probably tell you stories just like that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Coach, I can't thank you enough for sharing that time with us and, and giving us a little bit of your Gus stories. Coach Gus was, uh, you know, the legend at the University of Texas because just like everybody else, when I got that phone call and was asked if I was going to be a Longhorn and I got a chance to meet him for the very first time, he made it real easy for me to make that decision that I wanted to come to the University of Texas. I can't thank you enough for taking the time, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks, John. Well, Mike, uh he was, he was the, I guess, the second most influential person in my life, next to my dad, and and uh, I couldn't have done it without him. There's no doubt. Well, you did a great job and continue success. I know you're chasing them grandbabies around and making sure that they're on the right path as well. So, best of luck to you, you all, and it's great talking to you, Coach. Thank you a lot, Mike. Y'all do a great job. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. There he is, Coach Langerhands, legendary Coach John Langerhands, who used to coach the Round Rock uh, Dragons and still a thorn in my side. And he, he, he found ways to get me out, and he's right. Jim Miller and Jason Hart were two of the best that I ever faced, and it was good to talk to Coach. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit off the record. You know, there's a huge scandal that's out there with USA soccer. What in the world is going on? We'll find out all that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. D.D. Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break, the comb. Congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of off the record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. F***ing thing sucks. This edition of Off the Record is a, a little strange one, if you ask me. As a person who lives in a soccer household and has been really engaged with soccer over the last, I don't know, 10 years and really got into it uh, during World Cups and getting a chance to watch a lot of these players, I got a chance to meet. Uh, Claudio Reyna, he's the sporting director for Austin FC. And so through meeting him, you get a chance to start looking at some of the history and, and understanding who these guys are. But then you also get to notice some of these kids. And his son, Gio Reyna, who I was uh, really hoping was going to get a chance to play in the World Cup, and I thought he was going to be a part of the success. And we've all been involved with parents that are that we always want them to stay in their lane and not get involved in the kids' playing time and looking at certain things. I'm a parent. I've been around it. I've, I've actually had conversations with coaches 
about these types of things, but I've never made them public about these conversations. And this became public when Gio wasn't playing and people were trying to figure out what was going on. Well, comes to find out his wife, Danielle, uh, she was she went to the coaches and went to the administration and basically was saying, what is the problem with my son? And then the the situation comes out that he the story comes about about something that happened in 1991 about a relationship and a situation that the head coach kicked his wife and got into a fight and all these other situations. But my question has always been, this is a terrible situation. It was terrible in 1991. But why is this being brought to light today? Where were you if you were really concerned about their relationship and really concerned about the well-being of your so-called friend roommate that both of y'all's families were really tight? Y'all were really tight. But because the son's playing time was not part of the way things were written out, and now you're having a tough time with it, so you want to go to – and it's out to the press. I'm just confused about the timing of all of this. When we were talking about it before, because I, I was on these airwaves talking about, I can't believe Gio's not playing. I can't believe he's supposed to be our savior. He's supposed – his family, the pedigree, all this. Well, then you find out that he wasn't doing some of the things he needed to do at the practices. And, by the way, he never brought – Burkhalter never brought up Gio Reyna's name in any of the interviews that I saw – to the player uh, to, to basically call him out. He said that there were some tough times, there were some maturity issues, there was all that, but they never said his name, never by once. But now the story comes out that they were trying basically to get this man fired. I'm just confused about all of this. Have you been paying attention to any of this? No, but that he is said, confusing. No. <laughs> I'm confused. He said, I'm no. confused. It's just a bad, bad situation all the way for U.S. soccer. And U.S. soccer has already had a bad rap because of some of the things and the nepotisms and all the different entities that go into building a team. And U.S. soccer has – they're under a lot of scrutiny at this very time. So it is, it is interesting to me that now a situation that has come up from 1991, and if you were really that concerned, why are you bringing it up now? Where was this 1991, 92, 93, 94, 95? I mean, there's just so many different things that... 1991, you were... I was in my second season of professional baseball. Yeah, you just finished rookie ball with Chipper Jones. Yes, yes. The whole situation is just I was living in Lubbock. You were. You were. And then we kind of missed each other when you came to Austin. I went to Lubbock. I talked to Don Williams yesterday. My man Don. Who covered you when you were with the Crickets Lubbock. in Lubbock. Cr- Buddy Holly. Buddy, Buddy Holly. Holly. The Crickets. That's the how crickets. they got their name. I don't know. This is going to be a story that we're going to need to pay attention to moving forward because he, Burkhalter, is not under contract this year. He, They are trying to negotiate the contract. He wants to be back in charge of USA Soccer, but it doesn't look like that. The national team, it doesn't look like that's going to happen until this is resolved. And speaking of resolution, when we come back, I want to talk to my Chip Brown, talk to my friend Chip Brown about the resolution with Chris Beard not being here and what's next for the Texas basketball program. I know a lot of people aren't feeling Rodney, but I want to give Rodney a shot and he's going to get his shot this season. We're going to continue the conversation when we come back at the top of the hour right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.